Welcome back to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. I'm Brian Malinsky. Sitting with me in studio today is SLI Director of Content and Curriculum, Carol Malinsky. Hi, Carol. Hi, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. good Excited about this conversation. And I'm really excited to have this conversation this morning. Yeah. It's a, a topic that I've been interested in for quite some time. Definitely, me too. So um, joining us today, we have the privilege of talking with John Mertz, founder of Thin Difference, Leaders Finding Common Ground, and CEO of Activate World. Good morning, John. Good morning, and thank you so much for inviting me to join your podcast. Uh, your work is so important, and so it's an honor to, to be a part of your uh, this conversation. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and so to give our listeners some background on you, um, John, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Uh, sure, sure. So uh, I kind of divide my story into three parts, and I'm in the third part right now, I guess. Um, so the, the first part or chapter, um, I spent about eight years early in my career in Washington, D.C. as a, um, in politics and government as a political appointee and also working for a senator from my home state of South Dakota. Um, after I decided that uh, after about eight years, I was ready for a change, I uh, went back to school, got my MBA, and then spent about 25 years in uh, the tech industry, uh, serving in mostly marketing and, and business development roles with the last uh, 10 and a half years or so of that time. Uh, working as head of marketing for a healthcare startup company in Dallas, Texas. Um, currently, I'm back to being a student, so I'm about almost two years into a doctorate program, an interdisciplinary leadership uh, doctorate, and um, also, as you mentioned, um, you know, writing on leadership topics, hosting a podcast, uh, looking at this trend of CEOs and business leaders and employees uh, getting much more involved in some political and social issues as well as just uh, trying to put an added spark in the startup community here in Santa Fe. That's so interesting. And so, uh, you know, so why did you decide to, to create Thin Difference? Yeah, I was uh, working at the time and, and heading up marketing for this healthcare startup. And um, actually, I was hiring my first millennial. And I was reading all the um, standard press about the millennial generation, which was mostly ne- negative. And um, in, in some ways, kind of inappropriate, I think, in the sense that, mm. you know, if, if you talk about how to uh, create a more seem, create something better uh, for the next generation, then, um, you know, kind of dissing them as they were coming into the workplace didn't make a lot of sense to me. But more importantly, uh, I found it to, to be very inaccurate and really out of context. And so um, started Thin Difference, uh, or kind of evolved Thin Difference, actually, to focus more on this uh, generational leadership, in particular at the time, millennial leaders, and trying to set the record straight, but also um, being more supportive and as a guiding uh, element uh, to this new generation of, of leaders, who, in my opinion, you know, exhibited a lot of great characteristics that uh, we wanted to embrace rather than discourage. And I think that's a responsibility of older generations to do that. Mm, definitely. Yeah, we definitely agree with that. And so um, 
I had a uh, uh, question while I was going through your your website. You have an interesting title that you've created on that website, a common grounder. Can you explain who a common grounder is? Yeah, I think at the the core of it, it's it's problem solvers. Um, I think we need more problem solvers in in the world today. And I think the best way to solve problems is uh, is, is cross generationally. Um, so, what a common grounder is, in my in my opinion, in my mind is that someone who does have that focus of how can we solve some of these tough problems and do it in a collaborative, uh, sincere way, uh, listening carefully to each uh, different sides of an issue and trying to find that common path forward, uh, all the while focusing on what is really the higher purpose of solving that problem mm. so that we don't get uh, kind of drugged down into self-centeredness or um, just you know one perspective over another, but really trying to find that that path forward for um, <clears throat> for that higher purpose of what we're trying to resolve. And it takes a certain amount of character and integrity, but also resolve um, to uh, take that issue on and find a solution that can be implemented. Mm. And it seems to me that we need common grounders in every single generation too, right? It needs to have, uh, we need to be able to have a nice collaborative community. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think community is the right word for it. And I think too often we think of workplaces or companies or organizations in too uh, sterile of terms. But in the end, we really are a community. And a community is diverse, uh, different generations, different backgrounds, different races. You know, there's a lot of differences. And that's a good thing. Um, So, you know, one of the key elements of being a common grounder is to embrace that diversity and uh, try to get the best ideas out of everyone. Mm, totally. So, um, as you're as you're going through this work, how do you think uh, your work does align with servant leadership? That's a good question. I think, uh, in my opinion, I guess it does. <laughs> um, but for for a lot of reasons, I guess. Uh, so part of it is, you know, I think our backgrounds sometimes can play into that. And so in my background, um, I'm a farmer's son, mm. and I like that uh, connotation for a number of reasons because I think farmers are some of the great servant leaders because they take care for a lot um, the land because they know they have to plant what they sow, plus they have to take care of the land if they want a good crop you know, the next year. Mm. Plus they're very involved in their communities and trying to give back or trying to be engaged with um, others around that um, in their, in their area. And so as a farmer's son, it also kind of keeps me grounded, um, not only in that background, but also in um, knowing my place, I guess, that, uh, you know, that um, there's some humility within that, which farmers also exhibit a great deal. So what I've tried to do through Thin Difference and Activate World is have that attitude of um, how can we plant the right seeds for the future generations so that we as a society and a business uh, get better as we go. Um, I think we've also tried to engage a lot of different voices within Thin Difference. So we have mm-hmm. um, essentially most generations other than Generation Z right now writing um, for Thin Difference. So we try to, you know, tap into those different voices as well. And so I think, you know, there's not a lot of different elements, I guess, that fit into uh, servant leadership, but uh I think it is how can we create a better business and a better society 
by what we write about, what we talk about, how we work with others. And um, I've tried to do that in my workplaces and in our communities, as well as through Thin Difference. Mm. Yeah. You know, John, in hearing what, what you shared with us about that, I see great alignment between what you're doing and servant leadership. When we began um, this, the journey that we have taken, it really was born out of our leader, Art Barter, um, bringing servant leadership into his manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. And he bought the company in 2004, began this process of implementing servant leadership. And, you know, when we started, of course, it was let's, let's make a better workplace, a healthier workplace, a place where people can collaborate and feel valued. What, end, what I saw happen, and I, and I worked in that environment before I came over um, to work for SLI, was it, it became a sort of a larger vision of changing people's work lives, but also changing the world, changing mm-hmm. the community. And uh, so it's, it's grown a lot bigger. And I, you know, I, I really see you as trying to you know, spearhead a movement to make this, this uh, partnership between business and society stronger and creating a better world. Hey, exactly. And, and you know, the example that you, in your experiences, uh, I think are spot on and kind of exemplify that because in my opinion, um, we are citizens of a workplace mm-hmm. or a community, the, the work community, as well as citizens of a society or a community. Yeah. And so, if we um, have the right environment in our work community, I think it'll make us better citizens in our civil um, communities as well. Yeah, I like that term a lot, citizens uh, in the comp- in the company itself. <laughs> Yeah, because I think, you know, with I think the connotation of citizenship hopefully um, takes on um, an attribute of responsibility yes. as well as care for the future. And so I think that's important in business and society. Mm. Yeah. So now um, uh, I know that in at Thin Difference, um, generations in the workplace is a popular topic. Um, if people aren't aware already, we are starting to experience five different generations in the same workplace. Uh, so, John, in your view, what uh, what are some trends uh, we are experiencing today working in such a multi-generational space? Yeah, I think it's an exciting times, and I think there's um, a lot we can learn from uh, each of the generations. And so the two newest ones uh, with Gen Z, you know, just still in college, but some beginning to enter the workplace. So that's kind of the roughly the years of um, 1980, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, 1980. I get my years mixed up here. Yeah, it's <laughs> easy to do. Yeah, it's easy to do. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. So Gen Z. Yeah. So I sort of started with millennials. So millennials started, you know, roughly around 1980 to 2004, and then millennials are 2005 to 2010. Um, so we're starting to see Gen Z in the workplace and, and definitely uh, millennials um, taking on not only, um, you know, early career roles, but also leadership roles uh, within mm-hmm. within businesses. And so I think, you know, I think, one of the, you know, there's a lot of changes, I guess. We see mm-hmm. a lot more 
um, expectation from the younger generations of what the role and responsibility of business should be and business leaders should be. And it's, you know, it is that trouble bottom line of, you know, people, profit, planet, mm. plus a strong dose of uh, purpose uh, through each of those. Um, and, I th- you know, I think the, you know, you know, it's interesting. It's, in my opinion, anyway, you know, when I was 20 something, I was, you know, young and aggressive and wanted to take on the world. And I think, you know, no matter your generation, if you think back to when you were in your 20s, you have certain characteristics like that. And so millennials and Gen Z are no different. And, mm-hmm. but I think the difference, you know, between the younger generations and, and some of the older ones, in some ways, we're maybe going back to the greatest generation in the sense that there is a stronger sense of purpose mm-hmm. uh, within the younger generations. And we see that in a lot of different ways, whether it's uh, the recent climate strike or in gun control. So some of the societal issues, but also their expectation of, of business leadership and, and taking on bigger roles uh, in both not only the business, but within their communities, too. Mm, definitely. And so uh, one thing that I, I, I took away from uh, an article on your website was the fact the relation between, uh, you know, millennials and Gen Z's desiring to have a mentor uh, and looking for guidance from their elders, uh, essentially, and then also having uh, at the exact same time uh, the boomer generation wanting to grow into more of a legacy role and having and trying to find their purpose there. Two different, uh, you know, um, situations going on that could be be really blended together. Um, can you comment on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great point because, you know, as I'm on that, uh, personally on that cusp of uh, Boomer and Gen X, and I think, you know, um, as you get older, you do think about legacy. And I think one of the exciting things about the younger generations is they're already, they're starting with purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that was maybe missing in my generation to a certain degree when we were in our 20s and 30s. So I think, you know, from a mentoring side, I think it's it's definitely different. And, and I think there's actually a centering uh, element that needs to come into play uh, within uh, mentorship. So it definitely needs to be two-way, whereas in the past, you know, the older generations kind of do everything, uh, but technology and other things have, have changed that to a great deal. Mm-hmm. And so just as younger generations can learn from older ones, uh, older generations can learn from younger ones. And so the whole model of mentorship, I think, needs to change and has changed, I think, in some uh, respects in, in businesses. But some of the centering elements, I think, too, is that I think, you know, maybe it just as boomerangs, uh, boomers are, are now um, kind of centering more in what is their legacy, what's the you know, purpose um, that they want to leave uh, behind and pull forward. Um, you know, millennials are um, wanting that, too. Um, so there's a certain amount of sharing that can go on. There's a certain amount of discernment that needs to happen. I think, uh, you know, personally, I see that in some of the younger generations that are taking those discernment moments more seriously to figure out what is the path that they really want to take and, and not only, you know, making a living, but in, um, having an impact on our communities and societies. And so there's that centering element. And then I think there's the centering element of silence in that mm-hmm. listening attentively to the different generations involved in this mentoring relationship, because by really being quiet and listening to what is being heard and maybe even repeating 
this is what I hear you saying to get yeah. confirmation of that, mm-hmm. you know, is a new um, approach to mentorship that needs to happen as well. Yeah. So it seems that, we, you know, we still need to have um, a desired focus on building relationships across generational mm-hmm. lines. Oh, absolutely. And that's the, you know, again, going back to kind of why Thin Difference started, that's one of the things I've just found just really frustrating is that I've never seen, I guess, before, you know, there's always been, you know, generations picking on the younger generations. That's always kind of happened, but not to the degree um, that it did with uh, millennials, you know, from the, you know, there was a front cover of Time magazine kind of dissing millennials yeah. and been just a ton of articles back in, you know, five, six, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, and, you know, I think that's just uh, scoring points, <laughs> you know, maybe as far as, you know, you know, SEO scores on websites or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think, you know, hopefully we've kind of moved beyond that. I think we have with Gen Z. I haven't seen the same type of articles anyway. So I think that, you know, what has maybe older generations and some of the people in the media have realized is that there is a generational change underway that is focused more on purpose, and we should try to embrace that um, more than discourage it. Mm, Definitely. And so, um, you know, one... One action that we should we should probably start talking about is what the what the role of courage plays in this topic of generations. Um, how is courage being displayed uh, within the the various generations? Yeah, it's something I've been fascinated with here more over the last year or so. This idea of moral courage and how do we um, find it? How do we display it? How do we act upon it? You know, ethics obviously is a, at a core of it, um, but it's more than ethics. I mean, um, it's, you know, ethics is, you know, you know, hopefully deciding, you know, the right over wrong in different business or other decisions in our personal lives as well as in our business lives. But moral courage is taking uh, a stand or a step up into the arena, if you will, of saying that this isn't the right um, approach and we need to do something differently. And so we've seen, I think, strong signs of moral courage from different generations in the workplace. Uh, we've seen it uh, in older generations with business leaders and CEOs like Mark Benioff, um, you know, standing up and trying to find a solution for the homelessness issue in San Francisco. Mm. Uh, we've seen it with uh, Dick's Sporting Goods mm. and making changes in how they, uh, who they sell guns to and the types of guns that they sell. Um, we see it with employees who are, you know, Google employees organized the biggest walkout globally within a week of 20,000 people to um, say that the way they handled the leadership handled sexual harassment was inappropriate. Mm. And, and, and then more recently, <clears throat> like I mentioned, you know, the climate strike, you know, the Gen Z really, you know, taking hold of that, um, you know, to organize, um, a global climate strike um, and all around the world, you know, is just really nothing short of amazing. Mm -hmm. And even more so that 400 businesses uh, gave their employees either, you know, the time off, closed their doors or said, you know, if you want to go off and participate, uh, no, no penalties. And then I think another, you know, over a thousand companies contributed um, ad space to promote uh, the climate strike. And so issues like, you know, the environment and climate change are things that cut across the generations. Mm. 
but Gen Z we see really taking the lead in in organizing and and bringing a better light maybe to uh, the issues that are going to affect all of us and more so them than us probably as they are younger in their age. Yeah, and, and you know if we think about this issue of courage in a in a smaller sense, um, it really takes courage on the part of all those generations to step up and work with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We we have a behavior that we uh, that we developed here at SLI called demonstrate courage. And it really is about, you know, having those difficult conversations, being willing to do that. So if we have those generations brave enough to work with one another, they can certainly step out onto the world platform and work together. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw, um, the 60 Minutes did a uh, topic about um, China. And there I saw an older gentleman who's out with the younger folks demonstrating and how much he looks to them and appreciates them and what they're doing in that particular arena. It was very interesting. Yeah, and I think that's, I, I didn't see that story, but that's another great example in the, in the importance of, you know, finding the common ground. It yeah. is, it, you know, working across the generations, working together. It's really is what's going to produce the best results. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, there's great examples of that within, I think, the business community where they're, they're starting to do or recognize, I guess, the power of working across the generations. But then also knowing that um, if you're an older generation, you have a responsibility to try to leave um, the business place and the community better than yes. you found it. And I think we see the younger generations holding the older business leaders maybe accountable if they mm-hmm. think they're getting off track on some of those. Mm-hmm. And that all can be productive if it's done, you know, as you mentioned, with productive conversations, tough conversations at times, I'm sure, no doubt. Um, but those are the types of conversations that we need to have because, if, again, if we want to solve problems, um, we need to leverage the insight and perspective and expertise across generations in order to um, tackle those tough problems and, and not just continue to kick the can down the road, but instead mm-hmm. uh, let's create something better uh, for it down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's it was super interesting what you were saying about the difference between having the ethical knowledge of right and wrong, the thing to do and what not to do, and actually demonstrating or at, doing mm-hmm. an action um, uh, with courage to actually take that step out and deciding to make a change. Um, And I think that what may be beneficial is that you have these younger generations who do, in fact, need, that's where the mentorship would be incredible for them because they need to be able to have the guidance of seasoned uh, leaders to go, okay, I understand what you want the action to be. I understand I am on the same wavelength when we, we can both identify the problem together. But you may want to leap, and I can give it, I, I can give you a little bit of direction um, to to uh, uh, understand exactly where you need to land. Uh, absolutely, and I think you know that cuts across so many different elements of of, of businesses because we see that with again millennials and Gen Z that I mean they're making purchasing decisions based on what the company is doing mm. um, in society. 
um, and the stances that they may or may not be taking mm-hmm. on some of these issues of social importance. I mean, we see it with millennials where over half expect CEOs to take um, a stand on issues of social importance. And so, um, th- you know, the point being is that within a company where you're trying to, you know, you're, you're selling to this marketplace. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, definitely that's the profit element of the triple bottom line. But tapping into the insights of of the younger generations to make sure that it's authentic and that it is solving a problem, I think is, uh, you know, wise business sense uh, and, and, and good business leadership as well. Mm, definitely. It almost seems like through these younger generations, they're now, uh, you know, telling the businesses that they do need to do in fact need to be included into the the rest of the world instead of taking some sort of anonymity uh towards uh you know societal changes or society at large uh, absolutely and i think you know there's some interesting i think conversations and debates uh, going on i think that are healthy i mean capitalism is being one of those and you know, there's more, you know, Adam Smith wrote two books, not just The Wealth of Nations, but also a book about the moral sentiments. And we see a little more focus on that outside of it, the moral sentiment side, which gets into the profit, or I mean, gets into the purpose and, um, you know, what is life really all about? Yeah. And, um, and so I think, you know, it's obviously just coming out, but, you know, Mark Benioff has a new book coming out called Trail, Trail, Trailblazers. And uh, obviously there's, you know, I think it comes out today, actually. Um, but there's been some press and, you know, he's been, I saw read one article where he said, you know, capitalism is dead. You know, that, you know, I guess maybe is a good headline, but I think my, my guess is what he's getting at is that um, capitalism needs to change and the generational changes that we've been talking about are a part of that. And there is an element of capitalism that does center on, on purpose um, and doing more than just, um, you know, making a profit. And we see, you know, whether it's the business round table or other business leaders starting to um, embrace this new kind of capitalism. And in fact, you know, Adam Smith never intended uh, capitalism as a system to be a static one. He expected it to evolve. Mm. And so, you know, it goes back to kind of the common grounder mindset or, or problem solving is that, you know, we got to get out of these fixed mindsets. You know, the growth mindset is what can we take, learn from our experiences? How can we uh, leverage those experiences across the generations and then apply those learnings to making, uh, finding better solutions to the problems that exist today? Mm, definitely. So it sounds like uh, to, to all the leaders that are listening to make <laughs> sure to remind ourselves that the the rules to the game are not fixed. They should be things that can evolve and change and really set to accommodate not only the internal culture of a business, but the culture at large. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you know, maybe it's semantics, but, you know, I think there needs to be a greater focus on leadership philosophy and understanding Mm -hmm. what your leadership philosophy is. Mm -hmm. And the difference between philosophies and values, in my opinion, is, you know, it's philosophy is based on experiences and, and, and what you've learned from that. And based on what you've learned, what, um, what philosophical changes do you need to make as a leader to be more effective, to serve and, um, a broader audience and 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 really this idea of how can we um, really focus more on betterment um, you know rather than 
uh, nicking each other, you know, with little, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. How can we work together for the betterment of our business and for our the betterment of our society? Yeah, definitely. And so to to and so now I have a question for both of you guys actually. Um, <laughs> so, what role do you think servant leadership uh, has in maintaining this high functioning, highly diverse work culture? Um, what ways, and this, you know, there could be a plethora of different answers here, but maybe a few different points in which you think that servant leadership can, can, can help maintain that high functionality with a, a highly diverse workforce. Well, yeah, I think, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I've been talking enough. <laughs> what occurred to me was, um, you know, in a servant-led environment, you really need to have a leader that is communicating constantly and communicating what your your purpose mm. is, mm-hmm. what your mission is, what the company values are, and making those values not just the plaque on the wall, but rather using them as a tool in the business to make decisions. Mm. And if you have that kind of culture, then it creates this open environment and and you're honoring, if you honor and respect people, then you appreciate their collaboration, Mm -hmm. which is super important um, with all of those different generations trying to work together. So I think, you know, there is this um, responsibility that a leader has to communicate with people and re and re-give the message over and over and over again and be involved mm. not be the guy who's you know he has an open door policy but the door's never open really yeah definitely um, <laughs> and so our you know our leaders need to come out of wherever they are <laughs> and really interface with people and create this environment where there is this constant restatement of what our purpose is and decisions being made that support that purpose. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And John, what do you think? Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, the communication element is, is, is vital. Um, And I think kind of to that point that you made too, is that it's um, being able to communicate to the diversity that's within mm-hmm. your workplace and yeah. within your um, community as well. And obviously the other part of communication is listening uh, very well to um, those audiences too, because you'll improve you yeah. know, what you say by mm-hmm. what you hear and uh, making sure you are hearing it without your personal filter on it, but really what the person is mm-hmm. uh, trying to tell you uh, or try to you know, express in, in, the, in that. And I think, you know, between, you know, kind of those two sides of communication, and again, you alluded to this, is that better collaboration then um, begins to unfold. And I think the other part I think I may would add to that is while you're in that collaborative process, keeping the group focused on what is the purpose of what we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And so that it doesn't, um, you know, end up being me versus me yeah. <laughs> or me versus yeah. you yeah. in mm-hmm. that, but Who's really, 
Yeah, it's really what are we trying to solve that that is the greater purpose of of what this problem is causing or what this solution yeah. needs to do. Mm, definitely. Well, those were two uh, incredible answers, and I completely agree. I think that you know leaders need to definitely be communicating, and then they also need to be constantly checking back in with their employees, right? Their their you yeah. know community members to. Uh, make sure that the purpose is still in alignment um, and make sure that uh, everybody is being equipped with what they need to do to try and, uh, you know, better achieve that purpose and continue to drive that, that focus. And to also understand, like we addressed before, that changes will happen. I think that that doesn't necessarily mean at all that the overall purpose of a company um, needs to change. But possibly how you get there may be redirected um, with advancements uh, in, you know, technology, advancements in, you know, changes in generation um, and the people that you're leading, um, you know, making sure that everything stays in alignment by understanding and being okay with change happening too. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, you know, another quick question. So to, to bring it back down, um, do you guys have uh, any actions, actionable items that people can take to demonstrate more courage in their jobs? Yeah, for, for, for me, I think there's some simple things that can be done. I think um, one of the things that um, stories offer is a great arc, right? Mm. There's uh, characters involved in, in a story. There's uh, usually a problem or solution or some kind of problem or challenge that comes their way. And then they solve it in some way, either bad, badly or, good, or in a good way. Um, so I think, you know, there's, it sounds um, maybe too simple, but I think there's a lot to be said for reading even just short stories, because understanding uh, this, how the story unfolds and the role that a character plays within it. But more importantly, thinking about, um, you know, would you have done the same thing or would have you done it differently? How would you have done it differently? And in many ways, in my opinion, it goes to even, you know, stories that appear in the newspaper. You know, there's a lot of unfortunate stories that that happen where leadership goes awry. And I think it's really understanding those stories and thinking about um, how it happened. And if I was there, you know, would have Mm -hmm. it still happened or would have I spoken up or would I've done things differently? And so I think the role of stories, you know, whether, um, you know, in fiction or nonfiction, uh, we can learn from those and we need to spend a little bit more time, you know, thinking a little more deeply about, uh, you know, the different types of stories and, you know, within them, you know, kind of define better our moral courage and how we would uh, do things differently or step up when in those challenging situations. Mm. Definitely. So. I love that. You could do that like in a department. I mean, you could actually do that as an activity with your with your team. Yeah, you know, and it would be really, it would be very engaging. I think. Yeah, it completely redefines what you know the the goal of like a book club. Yeah. you know, yeah. is is yeah. almost having yeah. these these moral and ethical exercises to what you would know do. Yeah, what what would you do if you were you know in that same scenario? Yeah. That's that's right. brilliant. Um, what do you think as far as a, a few action items, Carol? Um, well, what occurred to me was this idea of if you're in a certain area in the company, to step out of your, don't be afraid to step out of your box, so to speak. So 
in other words, um, talk to your internal customers, mm-hmm. um, your upstream customer, your downstream customer. Find out, you know, how you can work more effectively together. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've I've seen people do that, and it and it it really does work and make um, make some wonderful change. But people have to be courageous enough um, to take that step. And hopefully you have leadership that honors that. Now, I'm not talking about getting overly involved, but instead just, you know, being more open to people that are giving you work Mm. and finding out how to better give what you produce Mm. on the other end. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, so... So we're going to wrap up here, but I just wanted to kind of recap what we've talked about in this uh, in this uh, podcast so far. We've been talking about um, you know uh, the multi uh, generational space that we're now working and living in. Uh, five different generations in the workplace now present new challenges that leaders need to be aware of and need to be uh, prepared to meet. Um, uh, so. You know, John had a great uh, concept of looking at yourself as not only a citizen of society, but also a citizen of business and making sure that you have the courage to go forward and make uh, a concerted effort to better both of those uh, both of those areas, business and society. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, and then we also wrapped up uh, with just a few actionable items that you can take to demonstrate more courage in your jobs. So, John had a great, great exercise of uh, reading more stories, listening to more stories now, um, and uh, playing out scenarios where you can can define your moral courage and and uh, be more aware of that. Um, so. Uh, John, just to wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for us today? I think the only thought I, or a couple thoughts, I guess, actually, I was going to say one, but maybe two. Um, But I think, you know, um, I think it's just taking the time uh, to get out of your, out of some of the, maybe some of the fixed mindsets that you have uh, been accustomed to and um, take on some new experiences. And, and some of that uh, definitely can be by engaging in a meaningful conversation uh, with a younger generation, or if you're a younger generation with an older generation and doing that uh, with uh, the purpose of learning and growing. And then I think the, the, the other element is um, going back to moral courage. Uh, Emmanuel Kant said that if you, if if you ought, you can. Mm. And so if you mm. think, if you uh, ought to do something, you should do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, um, so I think that, you know, it's an interesting kind of uh, simple way to think about whether uh, you should, you know, if you're thinking that you should stand up for something, then you probably should. And, um, and so it takes that moral courage to take, to raise your voice in a productive way, but also taking a stand that's going to, to you know, um, help, you know, your role within our greater uh, society as well. Mm, definitely. And that's all that also goes to real quickly, it goes to, you know, the the idea that you also need to be seeking out, um, you know, friends and, and, and uh, 
you know, other individuals that that share your same ideas, right? That can that can help you um, uh, move past your hesitancy or any of those roadblocks mentally that would not allow you to go and demonstrate that courage to make actionable um, steps forward, right? So it's it's again, it's a relationship building uh, requirement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, moral courage is a, is a, in the end, a community initiative. <laughs> and so, as you pointed out, um, it is um, having those honest, authentic conversations around tough issues. And, um, you know, I think that then bolsters, um, you know, all generations then to come to some sense of, of purpose and the actions that need to happen to, um you know, embrace the moral courage and, and make a difference in, in the business as well as in society. Mm, definitely. So leaders, listen, you have to make sure that you continue to have conversations. <laughs> 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 well, thanks, John. And, uh, and thanks, Carol, for being on this podcast with me today. Uh, I had such a pleasure talking with both of you guys. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, the conversation as well, Brian and Carol. And thank you so much uh, for uh, letting me uh, participate in this conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we have a free gift um, to go along with this episode, courtesy of John. Uh, It's a downloadable PDF titled The Activator's Guide to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Just email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the title Activator's Guide, and we will send that over to you. For more information on John and to learn more about Thin Difference, you can visit the website, www.thindifference.com. There you will find useful information on subjects like creativity, generations, leadership, and inspiration. And also be sure to check out the Activate World podcast to explore the Leader Activator Modern Leadership Model. I also wanted to give you a final reminder that we are having our webinar, An Introduction to Servant Leadership, next Tuesday, October 29th from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Registration is still available, so we would love you and your team to join. This will be a great opportunity to learn what servant leadership is, what it is not, and how you can successfully implement it in your work. Just visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to register. So for now, this is Servant Leadership Institute podcast saying thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day. Bye, everybody. Bye.